Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to The Art of Decluttering. I am one of your hosts, Kirsty Faruja, and here with me today is Amy Ravel, my other host and my long-term BFF. She doesn't know about it, but she is my BFF, Brooke McCallery. <laughs> Welcome back, Brooke. Thank you for having me back. It's so good to see your lovely faces. Did you I feel s- like it's a family reunion? <laughs> Hundred percent. Did you see on um, Instagram yesterday? I said you're my imaginary BFF. I did see that, and I haven't had a chance to respond to anyone. So <laughs> please don't think I'm just no, ignoring you. I know. You. <laughs> I, I knew you knew that we were seeing each other today, I but I was just yeah. like, because I, I, so we have you on because you just released a new book, and because you are friends of our podcast, and we love you, and I love being very. Um, effervescent in my love and adoration of you (laughs) but you have just released a new book um and so we wanted to get you on to chat about that again I know I said this was slow but I'm reading care and I'm like this this is this is my heart too and why did she write it before I got a chance to write it (laughs) but also like that I just feel that our hearts are so aligned. Like I, I literally, I, I know your voice so well. I even messaged you when you would, um, I said, you don't even need to do a, a, an audio book because I know your voice so well that when I'm reading it, I hear your voice <laughs> saying yeah. the words. Well, that's good because the audio book has been delayed um, a number of times. So, so uh, but that's so lovely. Thank you. Um, that really makes a a mark on me to hear things like that. Now, let's just backtrack a little bit because I've been fangirling all over you, but would you like to introduce yourself to our listeners? Because we have lots of new listeners every week, just like your podcast. Um, And so introduce yourself to us, please. Sure. Uh, It's everyone's favourite thing to do, I'm sure. (laughs) Hashtag awkward. Well, I'm Brooke. Uh, I'm an author. I've written three books, um, Destination Simple, Slow, and Now Care. And I'm also the host of uh, the podcast, The Slow Home Podcast, which I've been co-hosting with my husband, Ben, for six years now, I think, or over 300 and something episodes. Uh, And that's very much, you know, it hosts conversations about the realities of slow living rather than you know, the Instagram version of slow living. And uh, on top of that, I'm a mum. I've got two kids who are 12 and 10. I live in the Southern Highlands. And, um, yeah. Brooke, what was the easiest chapter to write in care? What one flowed out of you so much so that you thought at one point this could be a whole book of its own? Nature, Mm. in a word, the nature one. Um, And I've spent a lot of time since thinking about, like, why and what, particularly I'd like to sort of dig deep, deeper into. Uh, but I think it's, I think I found my feet with that chapter. Uh, I think it was one of the first chapters I wrote and I found my feet there because I found like a, a balance between telling my own story and relating it back to things that hopefully are relevant and relatable to people um, and also did a lot of reading and, um, you know, approached it with curiosity Mm. as well to see why these things that have had such an impact on my life, a positive impact on my life actually do. Uh, Because it's one of those things, you know, we know spending time in nature is um, good for us and we're drawn to do it. And yet, you know, we might be like me, someone who had a bedside table stack of gardening books because she was obsessed with the idea of gardening but instead of actually gardening became addicted to it like an uh, an app that was a farming app you know this imaginary farming game so you know coming at it from that sort of place and that um 
yeah, that 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 kind of, I guess, excuse making that we often do for those things that we know are good for us was helpful and it just flowed once I got over the awkwardness. Mm. So tell us the premise of the book. So I actually started writing a different book back in 2019 that was more an investigation into self-care and what it had become, you know, mm. as uh, a commodified, commercialised version of itself. And it probably had a little more pointedness to it than definitely than what care does. But um, sort of three months into to writing it, the Black Summer bushfires happened um, and that was sort of impacted the area that I live in. And then the floods that put out the fires happened and then COVID happened and, you know, this this year of or 18 months of global upheaval. And I found myself probably April, May last year completely burnt out. And I was burnt out specifically because I cared so much about all of these big collective issues, these huge global problems, uh, which require us to care. I think it's important Mm -hmm. that we care about them. But I had given all of my time, all of my energy, all of my waking moments really to staying informed and, you know, trying to make a difference that I had neglected the whole other end of the spectrum of care. Um, And I couldn't get out of bed. You know, there was two weeks that I just could not get out of bed. I was completely burnt out. And that was really what uh, caused me to change direction with the book and think, well, okay, we've got big care and big care is important, but it's only one end of the spectrum. So what's the other end? We've got self-care. And we already know that I I had some problems with the way self-care is, you know, (laughs) yes, (laughs) the way it's, you know, packaged up. So what's in the middle? Uh, And I landed on this idea of small care. And really, like the book is broken up into nine core ideas uh, or approaches to small care. And it was it's really just, um, you know, an investigation, experimentation into those those ideas and what they look like practically. But the thread that ties it all together and the reason that I was writing the first version of the book anyway was I want everything to be accessible to people regardless of circumstance you know financial Mm. physical geographical time um you know workload if you're a single parent if you're a teenager I I wanted it all to be available Um, so everything that is included in the book went through that that kind of filter I feel like it's a book no doubt about it also somewhat of a dance now Stick with me, Brooke, while I, I want to, I, as I read it, I wrote notes on my phone of how your book made me feel because I'd not experienced it with another book. And I'm an author myself. I've read hundreds of books, but there was something really unique about the way that you wrote care. It, like care was part book, part devotional. Like it's something I can come back to and, and go deeper on snippets. I can go deeper on a chapter. I can go deeper on a thought. I can go deeper on a highlight page. Like there's that, but there's a breathing to care. And I think like it took me ages to work out what I was feeling. I, I felt like the whole book was this expansion, retraction, expansion, retraction, almost like a dance where a dancer is pulling away and then drawing close and pulling away and drawing close. And I think part of it is that juxtaposition that you had of the big world, um, big care, world care, self-care, but then finding the small. And I think there's a great, um, yeah, going between of those things that allows this breath. But the way that you've written it is is. And this is going to sound so corny and I know it's corny and I don't know how else to say it, but it's like I got to dance with you. That's the only way I can describe it. And I know that's awkward, but it felt like a dance. It felt like you were drawing me in and then sending me to think and drawing me in and sending me to think. And I've not ever experienced that before in any book. Um, And thank you. Oh, Amy, that's such a lovely thing to say. It's not awkward. Like, it's it's Thanks. it's no it's not it's I really thought it like as I wrote it down I was like do I say this to Brooke or is this a self reflection because this is a 
fairly intimate thing to say to someone like you would it was like breathing together oh my gosh thank you Amy for joining me in the fangirling I don't feel so awkward now in my fangirling of my BFF um no it's really interesting that you picked up on those two things though dancing and breath because they are ideas that I refer to quite a bit in the book and in the writing of the book and a I'd like to say I'm smart enough to have done that on purpose, but <laughs> I don't think I am. Um, you know, so that's a really, a really kind thing to say. Um, and one of the things that was really important to me was uh, the idea of space, like giving people space in which to expand and go deep. Mm. Um, but also, you know, the way it's color coded on the the chapter pages and things oh, okay. like that meant that sure. I mean, absolutely read it cover to cover, but, it's something that I had hoped people will be able to dive back into over time. You know, when you're in, you know, a season of overwhelm or busyness or, uh, you know, poor health or whatever, there should be something in one of those chapters that gives you that spark of recognition, you know, that, that feeling of, oh, there's, there's something here that, you know, maybe I can explore. And then following that and going in and finding a suggestion or an act of care. So, yeah, thank you. That was really lovely. Do you love the way that you've set up the book? So you, it, as you just said, it's color-coded. And what I really love is that you have a conversation with us, you have that dance, you have that in-breath and out-breath with us about whatever topic it is that you're talking about. So let me just tell the listeners what they are. So there's chapter one is connection, chapter two is kindness, then there's awe, nature, making, movement, play, rest, and healing. And in all of those chapters, at the end, of you, you chat about lots of ideas. And then at the end of each chapter, you give us all, um, uh, what is that? So two, two minutes, let me just flick to it. So I'm not just talking off my head and I can't even find it now. So you tell us, what do you do, Brooke? <laughs> <laughs> So at the end of each chapter, um, there's suggestions for uh, if you have half a minute, if you have half an hour, and if you have half a day or more. So again, that was sort of trying to find those points of accessibility for people because so many people will push back on the idea of, uh, you know, care or self-care or slow living or simplifying or whatever it may be because they don't have time. And I completely get that. There are times in your life where it feels like that is absolutely the case. But I think everyone can find 30 seconds in their day, whether that is, you know, waiting for your jug to boil or when you're at the bus stop or sitting on the toilet. You know, there is 30 seconds that you can find. And it was my hope that in those lists of suggestions, you would find something that not only was achievable in that 30 seconds or half an hour, um, but that also had a ripple effect that went far beyond what you would necessarily expect from something that took 30 seconds. Yeah, I love it. I think it um, it's very in line and a progression on a lot of what we talk around in decluttering and that that really, I think for you, if you talk about it in your journey, it's that conception point of that declutter and making that accessible to people. Like what does a 30-second declutter look like? What does a one-minute 30 minutes, half day, like how for the values and priorities that you have, how do you fit those into micro moments? When you're loving on your partner, what does that look like in a 30 second slot in a one minute? It's like it, it's a framework that I think can actually be placed onto anything that has high value. And obviously these nine chapters are your high values. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you place that framework on a value, it enables you to actually live it out rather than just have a lofty idea of, of why this is important. Right. And um, that's how I started decluttering as well. I think we spoke about it when I spoke to you guys a couple of years ago, but like I started trying, I started by going big, you know, with decluttering and I was like, let's just do it all and, you know, be a, a fantastic minimalist and like type A high achievement gold star kind of minimalist and I'll declutter everything in a weekend. And that was a disaster. Uh, so then I, I discovered by default that small acts really small like stupidly small are among the most powerful because not only do you get that benefit you know you get that sense of having done this thing that is a positive step and you've shifted the needle even like 
in a minute kind of way, you've shifted the needle and that has an impact in and of itself, let alone whatever the, you know, the flow on effects are from the thing that you've just done. And that's what really was a real pleasure, I think, in writing the book was discovering some of those flow on effects from tiny little acts of care, uh, you know, and to see how, how far it can, they can reach. There's a chapter that, that stood out to me the most. And I, I think it stood out to me the most because it had highest value, but possibly also because it's the hardest, if that makes sense. Um, or was the chapter that spoke to me the most. Um, even the word or, like I've spent a lot of time kind of ruminating and if you, yeah, it's the, the word, the concept has just been going around and around and around and I feel like I'm just nibbling off bits of it and understanding it. The chapter on or, Brooke, that just spoke to me from the chapter on or because I was taking notes on my phone as I was reading. And you talked about when people experience awe and intentionally pursue awe, that one of the benefits is that you have an expansion in your perception of time and that it helps make people feel like they have more time to enjoy things when they position themselves in awe. And I just thought, oh, my gosh, I I could not, like a number of life experiences when I went, that's exactly what that was. Like you put words to it and also how much more is available <laughs> that I don't do where I just go through life with my busy, busy A-type brain doing a million things that I don't stop to awe. Yeah, and I think that's one of the 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 things that we can, like we're in control of sort of putting those lenses or those filters on our day once we know what awe does for yeah. us. So even just having that moment of going, oh, that's what that was. And that's why I felt like this. And that's why it stands out in my mind as like a moment in time. I think being aware and recognizing that that is um, an experience that's available to us means that we're probably subconsciously looking for it more, which I think is a really perfect, like that's the perfect place to start. Because when we talk about awe, a lot of people, myself included, will think like, big or big nature, waterfalls and Uluru and Grand Canyon and that kind of stuff, which is undoubtedly awe-inspiring, like undoubtedly, but also for the majority of us, not an everyday thing, you know. Um, so I think being prepared to recognise awe-inspiring moments in the day-to-day -day in really small things, like I talk about, you know, our heartbeats and our mm. breathing, the way that like just spending a moment thinking about how our breath works and how it delivers oxygen to our blood and removes carbon dioxide and uh, how that happens thousands of times a day and we don't ever think about it really unless something goes wrong with our breathing. Um, so I think that that was probably my biggest hope actually was that we would all be able to tap into the possibilities of awe in the everyday Um mm. Yeah, and it's like anything. I mean, it's like when you buy a particular car, right? You see it everywhere <laughs> then. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can do the same thing with experiences, I think. I, I had it yesterday a couple of times. Um, I was working with a client who I've been working with for a couple of years to declutter her home and move into a new season, and I helped her move house yesterday. And so the aim was we were going to unpack the entire house um, in six hours, which we did do because she'd done all the decluttering work with us beforehand. But at one point she called me outside and this ties in with um, nature as well, but she called me outside to look at a particular tree and then she said, imagine how good it's going to look when I'm lying on the ground looking up oh. at it, like not just it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like in the middle of the craziest day, she has taken time to say, imagine this or just come and look at this and enjoy it. And then there was a different point in the day where I was like at full fatigue, everything hurt, like my fingertips hurt, like I just had worked hard. And I had this moment of awe of I can tell my body to keep going. Like my body is not going to stop now just because it's so fatigued. I can say to it, you've only got an hour to go and it can keep going. And so you've already shifted my perspective on that and made me more aware of it as it happens around me. Yes, I want to know your um, chapter of highest influence. Have I mentioned the fact that I love Brooke McCallery's writing? 
I was going to say, am I asking you to yeah. pick your favourite child by which child? <laughs> no, I did. Um, I was because I was thinking about it because um, I was really curious about you, Amy. <laughs> um, and so I was thinking about it last night, going, "Oh, what is um, what resonated with me the most?" But also, what was what would I find the hardest to put my hand to? And what did I get my back up about? Mm. Um, because that's Brooks writing for me. <laughs> um, and so I, I went through it with that lens um, last night as I was watching the tour of France um, <laughs> at a very late hour. And so I was, I really loved rest because I'm always I feel like I'm always I'm definitely always banging on to Amy about resting uh, but then I did do that um, reflection of like well you might always bang on about it Kirsty, but do you ever rest in the way that Brooke talks about <laughs> because I rest like you know, I was resting last night watching the TDF <laughs> and I was resting yesterday when I was teaching Emily to cross stitch and when we were watching Tiny Living <laughs> New Zealand on repeat on YouTube, that was one <laughs> form of rest. But the way that Brooke challenges us to rest is to literally do nothing. <laughs> and um, so you can talk more about that in a minute, Brooke. But I was like, yeah, I don't do that very well. Like I <laughs> I sleep and I will. You chill. Sorry? I chill. You chill, but you yeah, may not I rest. I chill lots. Yeah. Well, and I, chill, I feel like I do I do set good boundaries around, my, around chilling, um, but I don't actually stop completely. And that's one thing that you challenge us to do in the book, Brooke that I found challenging. Me too. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> I know. And that's why I love you. And that's why you are my BFF because you're so honest about your experiences with all it throughout all the chapters that we do. That's why we, that's why I do feel like you're my BFF because I know your heart. Like I, you so clearly explain your heart on, in your words. So tell us about your experience. Uh, yeah. So rest is something that I, I mean, it was a challenge because I think our idea, modern idea of rest is productive downtime, you know, and we're either consuming, so we're either watching, reading, uh, listening, learning, all of which might feel relaxing, or we're producing in our downtime. So we might be tidying up, we might be gardening, we might be, you know. Decluttering. Exactly. Uh, and they're all fine and valid, but it's it neglects that space in between, you know, the space where we're not consuming and we're not producing, we're just being. And that's really where I landed with the idea of rest was to experiment with that. And it's hard. Like we are so wired now for input, constant input, uh, even in our downtime, uh, even to the point where, you know, we listen to things in order to go to sleep. And that's, if that's what you need, that's fine. But it's, I think it's really important to acknowledge that there is that that part of us, that inner life, you know, that inner world that is almost entirely neglected when we um, when we're, we're either consuming or producing. So that's really what I want to encourage myself and other people to experiment with. So I I thought when I was writing the book, I'm like, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to lay down, not do anything, just lay on my bed Saturday afternoon. Um, no phone, no book, no nothing. And I thought, you know, as someone who has explored slow living for a decade, this will not be a problem. And it was hard. Like it was really hard. My brain got really, really loud um, and kind of almost urgent in all the thoughts and the ideas and the, you know, the the ramblings that it came up with. Um, but I decided to just see what would happen if I just laid there. And I wasn't meditating or anything. You know, I had no purpose other than to do nothing. And I ended up doing it, but it took some time and it really took a lot of willpower to just sit in that, that feeling of um, I should be doing something else. So it made sense then when I read this statistic that I actually mentioned in the book that 
um, something like 20, uh, 30 or 40% of men and 20-something percent of women would prefer to self-administer electric shocks than, than to sit still in their own thoughts. And I'm like, I was like, hell yes, I was thinking electric shocks. Yeah, <laughs> we just, we need input, right? We need stimulation and we're scared of what happens when we're just with our thoughts. And I, I didn't get it. And then I did that experiment and I got it. I can, I understand, you know, how. I was surprised it was so low. I thought it would be higher. Yeah. <laughs> After doing it, I'm like, okay, there's some people who have got some pretty strong willpower. But, you know, I think it's just a really kind of lighthearted way of highlighting that we are scared of what happens when we're idle. And I think, you know, the whole hustle mentality has pervaded everything. So hustlers do well, you know, and slackers don't and they're lazy and, you know, good for nothing and wasting time and energy. And I think that mentality needs to be shifted because without downtime, you know, our brains can't function to their fullest capacity. We can't be, um, you know, creative. We can't be critical in our thinking. We're far more likely to just get swept up in the tide of life, you know, and that's when we're, we're much less likely to ask ourselves questions and say, well, you know, what do I want my life to look like? What do I want to keep? What do I want to let go of? Um, yeah. So rest is really beneficial in the moment, but it's also, I think, beneficial in a much wider sense over time. That's what I loved about it to in your conversation, in your dance with us, um, is that you do explore the benefits of it. And I, I was like, yes, I need to be resting because I'm like, <laughs> this is this is me being honest. Like I'm always telling Amy to rest and she's like, yeah, I do rest. I sit on the bed all the time and listen to a podcast and do 50 million other things. So I was all like, oh, see, Amy Brooks right about this. And then I was had to be not judgmental and turn it back on myself and go, Ashley, Kirstie, do you ever rest? Like, do you ever sit? And one of the things that jumped out at me is that, ah, oh, Amy and I do rest because we do often have our best thoughts in the shower. <laughs> yep. And that's what you talk about in the book is that when you're doing something that comes very easily to you when um, then and you're not using your critical thinking brain, then that's when the ideas kind of flow. And I was like, oh, we do do that. Like we do have mm. illuminations when, but it only happens in the rest. Like it does not, like when we're trying, when we're working on a project and we're like trying to think of things and it, the hustle does get in the way of those lights going off. Um, and then I also thought about like how, I, it is in the sitting, it is in the contemplative state that those ideas, not it's, and it's not ideas, it's yourself rises to the surface and you can be really honest and reflective about some of your actions or, or the direction of your life and the values and like, and you can get curious into your questioning um, mm. and getting curious about yourself. Like, why do I do that? Why do I react that way? Why do I always go to judgment instead of curiosity? Why do I, you know, whatever, whatever. But it is in that space that that can occur. 
if you if you're doing something that is almost meditative for you so I write about it a bit in a making mm. chapter um, and in movement chapter as well and nature but um, if you're doing something that allows you to get into that flow state you know whether it's like chopping vegetables or pulling weeds or going for a slow walk not for exercise but just to be outside uh, and seeing where your feet lead you like that allows you to slip into that inner world as well, I think, and that um, that reflective place. So if rest feels like a stretch too far for people, and I get it, I completely get that the idea of idleness is uncomfortable, um, you know, find something that you can do that is meditative. Like watering the garden is a good mm-hmm. one, I think, um, even if you've got, you know, a handful of indoor plants, like every week you will water them. So you spend that five minutes just pondering, just seeing where your thoughts are, just, you know, kind of checking yeah. in. Uh, and it, again, allows us to, to sort of land in a place, as you said, Kirsty, of like reflection and curiosity and self-knowledge too. Have you ever um, done an experiment where you look into a stranger's eyes for a set period of time. If you have, I've not done it. I've seen lots of social experiments on it where you just lock eyes with someone and you, you quickly shift your state to that like spirity soul state and you're out of the physical and what's happening around you. Any experience with that, bro? I haven't. I was going to write. I actually had it in the first draft of the book because I wanted to do it as an experiment and kind of report back mm. on it. Um, and then COVID hit, yes, so then I didn't know how to. <laughs> Yeah, so it's like I don't know that I'm going to find any strangers. Zoom who, doesn't yeah, count. exactly. Because one of you has to look at the camera, right, and the other one looks at the screen. Yeah, <laughs> um, Swap. Swap. yeah that's it. Um, no, so I haven't. But the research around it and even just like anecdotal evidence and, you know, people's stories of it are really interesting. I mean, people mm. will start to see like they have visions, they see the person that they're looking at turn into a child, uh, you know, and it has these really long-term impacts mm. on them. So I am super curious about it. There's a there's quite a few um like stories online that I read and you know articles about it, but uh no, I haven't done it. So hopefully when I look forward to your podcast episode okay, about it. All right. <laughs> When we're out of lockdown. Challenge set. <laughs> Challenge set. The BFF stranger. Are we strangers anymore, though? I don't think yeah, so. No, no yeah. care. doesn't count. <laughs> I would love to hear how that goes, Brooke, because I feel like it is it is, an inali- it is an alignment with, yeah, all that you're sharing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, so I do write about eye contact and prolonging mm. eye contact in the connection chapter, um, yep. and that is in itself, even if it's not with a stranger, even if you just hold that eye contact with someone that you know even a little bit, just for a little bit longer, not like a creepy way, but, you know, just a a slight extension, there are massive benefits for that as well. Um, So I think doing that in an intentional space with a stranger would be, A, very nerve-wracking and be really interesting. Can't wait. I also really enjoyed how rest led into healing and I really, that was my other favourite chapter was the healing chapter. Um, I've literally underlined and like done, you know, what some people would consider abhorrent is like folded up corners of pages. (laughs) I do that all the time. Um, And like (laughs) I've drawn all through this book. And funnily enough, we were just having a conversation with another guest, Maz Compton, about letting go of books. Um, And that wasn't the whole conversation, but part of the conversation was like how passing on a book can be a blessing and that you don't have to have a whole bookcase. And I was, and she talked about some of the books that she kept. And I was like, I think like slow was easy to give away because, um, as I've said a million times, it felt like it was my book and I, I had consumed it and kept it because it was me writing it. (laughs) Um, but as Amy said, like this is like a type of devotional book that you do want to dip in and out of. So I can't imagine letting this book go because I do want to come back to be challenged by you in coming back and doing some of the experimentation involved in the book. Um, but I, as I said, I have bought this book for people and uh, as soon as I got it, posted it on our 
Art of Decluttering page and Instagram and like, and I've been telling everybody about it ever since. Um, but I do, um, in the healing chapter, like I do love that in the rest, you make space for just nothingness. Um, but then in the healing, like you do make space for that self-reflection so that you can heal of some of the things that do come up in the resting. Yeah. And I think that was kind of intentional, um, but healing came late in the piece when I was writing the book. Um, And partly just being completely frank, it was because I was burnt out and I felt like a conversation around care needed to go there because sometimes the, you know, the, the acts that I, that I talk about in the book aren't going to be enough. You know, we need healing. We need real healing, real attempts at, um, you know, restoration um, and going to those sort of places where we have to ask the questions and have to kind of figure out how we got there and why and, you know, what was driving us to push on and all of those sorts of things. Uh, But I, I wanted healing to be, a proactive thing as well, like something we can do and many things that we can do. So, um, yeah, I was equal parts nervous and excited to write that one, I think, and found it really, really empowering uh, in the writing and the reading that I did uh, and the experimentation that I did too. Yeah, I love it how it's so practical, like it's not you need to always go to a psychologist or you always need to go to a doctor there's so much small care and self-care that you can do Mm. around your own healing and I love it I just I I just love the whole book every like as I said (laughs) you asking me my favorite chapters is asking me my favorite child (laughs) (laughs) what have you done this week so we're recording this on Wednesday. What have you done since Sunday that um, you can give us examples of what small looks like for you? So this morning my husband and I sat down and we had a coffee and a donut each and that was genuinely delicious, first of all, uh, but also just really lovely because we sat down, we talked for 10, 15 minutes, figured out what the rest of the week looked like and checked in, you know, and we, it, it's that, connection um that I think is really important particularly I mean I'm in I'm just out of Sydney so uh you know we've got added restrictions and stuff at the moment um which means that we aren't seeing a lot of people and I think that it's super important to make those um those small moments count you know making a coffee for him sitting down together not on our phones just having a chat was it sort of filled two or three of those buckets um I also, in that conversation, we realised that he and I both have fairly quiet Fridays. So we quite literally put in our calendars that we are going to have a snuggle Friday while the kids are at school. <laughs> you know, yeah, watch a sure movie, enough. eat lunch together, whatever that looks like, um, you know, and, and prioritise it. And I think that, again, we can look for big special things that are undoubtedly lovely but it's the everyday stuff that we do that has such a massive impact. Um, and the other thing that I've done is I'm making time most mornings to journal. Uh, and that's such a helpful tool for me when I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed because it allows me to spend that time in my inner world, not judging, just, you know, observing and writing and not censoring and, uh, you know, sort of working through it. So those things are, are the kind of, small things that I'm doing um at Mm. the moment also wandering my garden having a look at you know the buds of the flowers that are starting to pop up and yeah but there's something about wandering Mm -hmm. and I I don't really get it because I hate walking for no purpose I hate it like in the midst of our seven month lockdown in Melbourne I went for zero walks because I can't think of anything more frustrating than going for a walk with no purpose but I love a wander. So I will sometimes just wander around my house and I'll just look at the cracks or I'll really take in the colour of the wall. That seems so different to me than a walk. Like I'll go into the front yard and I'll just stand and look 
that's so different. And I think that the the power of the wander with no objective is something I love. And we, look, we tell people to do it in our head, heart and home course. We say to people, we talk about the concept of fresh eyes. Yep. And so go into your space with no reason for going in, no no objective, nothing to put away. You're not going to do anything. You're going to see things that need doing. You're going to leave them be. And you're just going to observe. I would love your reflections on the power of that observation and spending time doing that. Oh, I think you see things, as you say, with fresh eyes. Like if you don't have a reason, a purpose, something to put away, a job to do, uh, and you've intentionally chosen to show up to that space with that, with that, you know, non-judgmental, complete openness, I think you're going to see things totally different uh, and you'll notice things you hadn't noticed before, good and bad. Um, but it's, I, I think when you were talking about going for a, a wonder, that's mindfulness to me. Like I think mindfulness has sort of suffered mm-hmm. the same fate as self-care and, and, and those sorts of movements in that it has been commodified, packaged up. Um, and it's powerful, like it's a powerful thing, but essentially it's just paying attention, you know, choosing to pay attention. So when we do practice mindfulness, we pay attention to our breath or we pay attention to one of our senses at That's a time. True. And it's, you know, I didn't really understand what mindfulness was until I recognized that it was the opposite of mindlessness, uh, you know, and we've, we all experienced that too, but like I lived mindlessly. So to shift that around and live mindfully just meant paying attention, um, mm. you know, and wandering is a beautiful way of doing that, whether it's you, you're looking at it through the lens of, uh, you know, what do I want to change in my home? Or you're looking at it through the lens of what's happening outside, like have the ch- seasons started ch- to change or, you know, just kind of applying the idea of wandering with the idea of curiosity, I think is a really beautiful way yeah, of that's really spending true. a few minutes of your day. Um, you know, wherever it takes you. Mm. So, Amy, have you done any experiments this week? Let me think. Well, I was saying before we hit record that on the weekend, um, Cal and I were meant to be in Sydney with Kirsty and going and seeing Hamilton, but because of lockdowns, we're in Melbourne. So we spent the weekend just being together. Like we just sat on the couch a lot, went out for breakfast. Like we just did nothing. I'm not sure if that was an experiment or just like, exactly what the doctor ordered (laughs) exactly what our marriage needed exactly what our bodies needed and all of that um let me think when you talked before Brooke about needing music or to listen to something to go to sleep growing up um and still to this day my dad listens to music or the radio or something to go to sleep as he's in you know my entire life and so I grew up thinking that was normal and so I would have music on as I went to sleep. Then once I got married, I realised that not everybody likes to have music <laughs> on when they go to sleep. And so I got out of that habit. And then only in the last probably six months, I've started listening to podcasts to help me get to sleep as part of like my sleep toolkit. But what I don't like doing is falling asleep with it on. I like it getting me to that point where I'm like, oh, all my triggers have been hit. I've got like two minutes and I'm asleep. And then to pull my earbuds out. And that little mo that two minutes or one minute of lying in bed, just feeling what my body feels like against the bed, like feeling what my eyes feel like. You know, all of mm-hmm. that has become quite mindful and helped me then to progress to sleep yep. and realizing I I don't need someone's voice and to put me to sleep. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the humbling cancer. <laughs> but that's the tool. Like that's you're you're learning, you know, how to apply those tools. Um, and I think that having giving yourself that gift of those one or two minutes in between is really powerful because A, it lets you tap into that sense of, oh yeah, I'm like I'm really present, but I'm also super relaxed and I'm gonna go off to sleep. Mm. Like you know what that feels like. You don't yeah. And I think that that's a gift to give yourself. Yeah. Because yeah. if I tried to have if I tried to do that 20 minutes before I fall asleep, I've come up with 15 new yep. things that I need to do and then I'm awake for the next couple of hours. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's also just figuring out what works for you, which is where, again, going back to like self-knowledge and that inner world and spending time asking yourself what works. Like that is one of the greatest acts of care, I guess, that you can give yourself is 
being prepared to constantly learn about yourself over and over again and being okay with the fact that you will change and evolve. You know, I think we're so stuck on the idea of like, well, this is what I believed two years ago. This is what worked for me five years ago. So I need to stay there. No, we're meant to, we're meant to change. Like we're growing, we're changing, mm-hmm. we're evolving. Um, so the more toolkits, the more self-knowledge, the more awareness that you've got, the more likely that you're going to be able to make that next change or shift into that next season, um, you know, empowered. I'm aware of the time, Brooke, but I, I want Kirst to have like one more opportunity to ask a burning question deep in her belly that is not can I please look into your eyes for 20 minutes just the two of us (laughs) I would love to know what's coming up for the McCallery family and I know (laughs) that we're in lockdown and everything is up for grabs at the moment or not actually even for grabs because we can't grab anything (laughs) um but yeah like what's what's next for Brooke What's next season hold? That's another really good question. I, you know, I'm at a point in life at the moment. This year has been really weird. Um, you know, book came out. The book came out in June, middle of June. Um, my dad's been in the ICU for ten weeks, so he's currently, as of today, still there. Um, and so, like, that's a really hard thing to deal with, and a really positive, wonderful thing to deal with. Um, so I've spent a huge amount of time, like really <laughs> zeroing in on tilting, you know, if I'm at the hospital or if I'm with my mum, I'm all in. Um, and that means I'm all out of everything else. And then when I'm home, I'm, you know, I'm all into home and when I'm working, I'm all in. Um, so that has sort of taken a bit of, cause it's like Uber tilting, you know, I feel like I'm really mm-hmm. leaning hard on almost horizontal sometimes. Um, but it has given me the opportunity to ask myself, like, what is missing? Um, like, what is it? Where's the big gap? Is there, is there a big gap? And I've discovered that I really enjoy um, acts of creativity, just making stuff and creative writing and um, doing things not for necessarily a purpose, particularly not a commercial purpose. So I don't really have a specific answer, but I know that there'll be a lot more creativity in the next season of life. Um, And that will probably, being realistic, look like making garden beds because we dismantled our veggie bed like a year ago and never put it back together. (laughs) So, you know, making like making a garden, but also, uh, you know, writing more poetry. The book's got a little bit of poetry in it. And I'd like to explore that a bit more and writing for my kids. They've been, I've been telling them a story at night by mouth for like four years and they've been begging me to write it as a book. So um, I'll probably do something like that. And it's kind of scary, to be honest, to have all these creative projects that I'd like to experiment with that have no distinct purpose at this point. But I think that. Yeah, and if you put a distinct purpose to it, does that take away from the joy of the creativity? Exactly. So I think the fact that I'm nervous about it is a really good sign. Mm. Yeah. So that's that's what's next, Um, you know, beyond moving past lockdown and seeing my dad get better. Mm. So where can people find you and find out more about the wonder that is Brooke McCallery? (laughs) How how do they get to know my BFF more? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you can go to my website, slowyourhome.com is my home on the internet. And I do use Instagram. It's the only social media that I still use because it induces the least amount of anxiety. And, uh, you know, my books are in all good bookshops. But, yeah, slowyourhome.com is, is probably the best place. You're a delight, Brooke. I feel like catching up with you is just like having a cuppa with a friend. Let's not leave it so long between cuppas next time. Let's not, please. Two years is too long. Yeah, way too long. You're amazing. Thank you so much. Listeners, we know that um, you'll be thinking, where can I get more of Brooke? You can drop back to episode 100. Um, and I think 101, yeah. I think we ended up we doing a double double whammy with you, Brooke, last time. Or you can go to all of Brooke's podcast episodes, books, blogs, all the things. So go, we'll have all the links in our show notes. 
Um, and we would love you to leave a review this week on Apple Podcasts if you too have a stack of books next to your bedside table that represents something you would like to do but you haven't done. So it might be gardening, it might be knitting, it might be changing the world, it might be public speaking, decluttering. <laughs> so if that is you, our niche review request, we want you to jump onto Apple Podcasts and rate and review us. Until next week, we love you all and have a great week. Thank you, Brooke. Bye. Thanks for joining us. If you've learnt something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there. If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. 